Thanks for tuning in for Access Utah. Before we jump into an interesting discussion about uh, filtering uh, and uh, possible uh, censorship or no, families' right to watch movies the way they want to watch them. We're going to talk about uh, VidAngel, Utah-based company that has received a, a preliminary injunction against it. Um, we uh, have some unfinished business from a previous program, a program we titled Doing Good in Our Communities. We offered you the chance to uh, spotlight an individual, a nonprofit, or a church group doing good in your community. And we had a lot of response. Thank you for that. And uh, we encourage you to keep that going. Email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We'll continue to put those up on our website. Uh, here's one that I wanted to uh, spotlight. This uh, comes from the Dear Annie column in uh, the Logan Herald Journal from January 11th. And uh, this is Sabrina Clark, director of the Veterans Administration Voluntary Service. She says, as we have done for many years this February, Americans will participate in the National Salute to Veteran Patients by visiting and volunteering at VA medical centers and by sending letters of thanks or valentines to veterans. This year's National Salute Week is February 13th through the 17th. We again encourage communities across the country to take part in the effort to honor our hospitalized veterans. That again is the uh, um, National Salute uh, to Veteran Patients. And that is February 13th through the 17th. You can find more information at volunteer.va.gov. I uh, want to uh, underline that. That's a very worthwhile cause. Uh, here's another uh, wonderful cause. This is based in Cache Valley, and it's called Little Lambs for Kids. Uh, Little Lambs Foundation for Kids. And uh, this uh, is a great organization that uh, helps kids. I'll just read part of their mission statement. Little Lambs Foundation for Kids is a nonprofit organization that provides comfort kits to children from ages newborn to 17 years old, transitioning into foster care, emergency shelter, or who have been hospitalized. Just in northern Utah alone, there's an average of 700 children who are in foster care system. There's also an average uh, 80 children in the in-home program through the Department of Child and Family Services just in Cache Valley alone. And throughout Utah, over 2,700 children are in foster care because of abuse or neglect. And so again, the Little Lambs Foundation for Kids uh, provides comfort kits to children ages newborn to 17, who are transitioning. That's a great cause there. You can find them but just by Googling Little Lambs for Kids. And uh, finally, I wanted to mention the ho- point-in-time homeless count. Uh, this is a, uh, an invent- uh, inventory sounds cold. It's a count of uh, homeless people, and it helps agencies and providers uh, to know how many homeless are out there and to provide better provide services. That's happening at the end of this month. Best way to find a uh, way you can help in your county is to just uh, Google uh, homeless Utah point in time count. Those are some uh, great organizations and people doing good work. We hope you'll keep uh, your suggestions coming. Spotlight your group at upraxcess at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're going to talk about VidAngel today. This is a Utah-based uh, company that uh, provides, uh, lets viewers uh, set uh, custom filters to screen out content they might not like or find objectionable. Uh, here's what VidAngel CEO Neil Harmon says <clears throat> about their service. He says, VidAngel honors two sides of a libertarian coin. He says, we agree that Holly, with Hollywood that the director should have the right to determine how their work is performed in a public setting. Uh, that's free speech. That's everything America is about. But once you take something into your own home, it makes sense that nobody has the right to tell you how to consume something in your own home. Several Hollywood studios have sued VidAngel. A judge has granted a preliminary injunction against the company. Uh, at the same time, there is a campaign out there uh, with the hashtag Save Filtering. Uh, many people uh, appreciate this service and uh, say that uh, this is the only way they can watch a lot of uh, Hollywood movies with their kids sitting next to them. Uh, but Angel says that uh, their the model provides that the, uh, the, the end user owns uh, that movie uh, as it's being streamed to them, and therefore they have the right to use the service and uh, set the filters and, uh, and filter out content that they deem objectionable. We're uh, going to be talking about this with uh, Chad Pearson, who's a uh, copyright uh, lawyer. Welcome to the program. Uh, 
Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, we are hoping to have on a, a lawyer for VidAngel. Uh, we're uh, working on that uh, right right now. Uh, so uh, Chad Pearson and uh, I think uh, one of your partners wrote a, a piece in the Deseret News, uh, very interesting, outlining the whole all the, uh, the broad uh, strokes of this case. Utah seems to be uh, ground central for for this kind of thing. We had clean cuts, of course, back in the videotape days. Um, and, and now we have uh, VidAngel. Um, tell us your understanding what uh, what VidAngel uh, is, at least from their point of view, what they're set up to do. Um, in, in sort of broad strokes, how I understand the VidAngel service is they, they present themselves as offering to sell you a copy of a particular movie and that you then can sell that back to them after you have consumed the movie. So you could have it for a period of days or as short as a few hours. And the idea is something along the lines of they charge, you know, $20 to sell it to you, but then they buy it back for $19. And so from their point of view, uh, technically you own the movie while you're streaming it. I, I think that is their point of view. What I can tell you from just the general perspective of the law, the law doesn't care what you call something. It it, it wants to characterize what the heart of the transaction is. There's the old idiom, if it walks like a duck and looks like a duck, then it's a duck, regardless of what you call it. So I think that, you know, the judge in California in this case, and I think most lawyers would probably come to the conclusion that VidAngel's arrangement is more like a rental rela- arrangement than an actual um, purchase and sale transaction. Typically, if you're planning to buy something back, um, that's the equivalent of a rental. Yeah, I think it's somebody in this article in the in the, uh, the Deseret News, uh, I can't remember who, who's quoted here, um, using the word wink-wink. Uh, it, it's sort of a, you know, technically, I guess air quotes, you'd, you'd own the movie, but uh, Really, as you suggested, at least the the lawyers for the Hollywood studios suggest that the uh, most people would know what's going on here. You're you're basically just streaming it. It, it, it does seem to be. I know, I know the VidAngel people, and hopefully um, we can talk to them. Would would dispute that characterization. I, I recall hearing about VidAngel maybe three or four months ago at, at dinner with a lawyer friend who really enjoyed the service and talked about how great it was. And as he described it to me. I remember telling him, well, enjoy that for a few more months because I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to continue uh, the way that you've described it, given sort of the, the nature of copyright law in the country. You felt that there would, would be probably an injunction would be coming. I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, the idea here is that under the Copyright Act, which really Congress has enacted that, and they've They've done so through their power from the Constitution. The Constitution actually talks about promoting the progress of science and what they called back then the useful arts um, by securing for a certain time period the exclusive right to somebody's writings or their inventions or their discoveries. And that, that term exclusive is in the Constitution, which makes it hard you know, you know, obviously the Constitution is important in our country and in our system of law, and, and determining what exclusive right means um, is subject to some argument, but the bottom line is that means if, if you write something, Tom, you get to control how that's published, you get to control how it's copied, you get to control how it's broadcast, and, and that's, that's what our current system of law is. Mm-hmm. And the, the, as I understand it, the studios are saying that this is not about censorship, this is, is not really about filtering, this is about uh, the, the ownership question. Yeah, I think that's their, that's their position. And from what I understand, the VidAngel's response to that is, is they, they claim, hey, we, we want to get a license to stream this. We've asked you for a license to stream it. Typically, the studios will grant a license. That's why you're able to watch on Netflix or on Amazon. But there is a certain pricing structure for those licenses. There's certain sort of requirements in terms of timing of display as the studios try to game out how to make as much money off of the content that they own as they can. And so 
So VidAngel has said, we want that, and the studios won't give it to us. And it's because the studios are concerned about the editing and the censorship that we do. Um, so I think that ultimately is a, a bit of a separate question from the straight copyright question. And, and I understand in the case that VidAngel has antitrust counterclaims, where essentially it's claiming, hey, you guys aren't operating fairly with us, and um, therefore we're going to sue you for an, an antitrust injury. And, and that's an avenue that they may have success in down the, the road. So it may be that they're able to force the studios to grant them a license to do what they're doing. Um, but the judge so far in California has told VidAngel to stop doing it the way you're doing it. We do welcome in uh, David Quinto, who's uh, general counsel. Uh, he's representing uh, VidAngel. Uh, Mr. Quinto, thanks so much for, for joining us. Sure thing. My pleasure. Uh, we should mention that uh, Neil Harmon, the CEO, uh, was going to come on with us, uh, but uh, he, he's concerned since there's litigation going forward that uh, uh, he'd, he'd like to, to, to have you uh, represent the uh, the, the company in this discussion, and uh, so we're grateful that you're you're able to uh, be with us. Uh, want to introduce you to Chad Pearson, who's a copyright lawyer, uh, who is speaking with us as well. Um, so, Chad, so so, uh, Mr. Quinto, um, what? Let me ask you uh, first. What uh, the, the studios are characterizing this case is purely and simply, as I understand it. Uh, about an ownership issue, there, there's. But I understand the the company VidAngel is is looking at this um, as a as as a consumer right to filter. Um, what do you see this case as being about? It's absolutely about filtering. Anything else um, is just the studios trying to misrepresent what's really going on. They are cloaking themselves in copyright law, trying to create a perception that their rights are somehow being violated, when in fact it's all about filtering. The studios have never authorized anyone to filter. They allow filtered content to be shown on airplanes at 35,000 feet. They allow filtered content to be shown on television but they have never allowed any third party to permit filtered uh, to provide their, uh, filtered content to families for private in-home viewing. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. That is is always been an interesting point to me that they the, the studios do allow filtering in certain situations that you have mentioned, um, but but not for not for individuals. Um, so th this is, I assume you're going to continue this, uh, ca continue the case, appeal it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, at the moment, we have appealed the preliminary injunction that issued against us. Um, that's before the Ninth Circuit and will be heard on an expedited basis, so we will presumably get a decision within a few months. It's possible the Ninth Circuit... Um, could say either that the injunction should or shouldn't have issued, period. Um, but we think it's more likely that the Ninth Circuit will get into the law uh, and provide some guidance to the trial court. In issuing a preliminary injunction, the court is supposed to look at four factors, including uh, likelihood of success on the merits at trial. Um, and here, the district court uh, simply assumed uh, or concluded that the studios would likely win on the merits of trial, would so likely win that it didn't consider the other factors um, that it was required to consider before issuing a preliminary injunction. Those factors include, for example, the public interest and... Um, the effect that the injunction would have on the defendant if it issued, um, and also the relative uh, burden between the parties uh, of having an injunction versus not having an injunction. And given that the studio's motion for entry of a preliminary injunction wasn't even heard for 15 months, 
uh, after VidAngel wrote to the studios to explain its service. The studios, in fact, didn't even sue for 11 months. Um, it's hard to see that there's any kind of uh, injury, or at least immediate <laughs> irreparable injury, to the studios. Let me, uh, I want to pose uh, the following question, then we'll, t- we'll take a break. I'll pose it first to Mr. Pearson, then to uh, Mr. Quinto. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Pearson, there does seem to be a, a, a fairly large appetite for people. I think VidAgel has been quite popular. And uh, before that, uh, you know, Clean Cuts and other, other services, um, at least in Utah, and probably goes beyond Utah, Families want to sit down and, and, and watch uh, mainstream Hollywood movies uh, without some of the content they deem objectionable, especially for their kids. Uh, do, you, do you think it uh, maybe, I don't know where, where this case is going to go, but do you, do you see a time where the courts are going to rule in, in favor of, of, of consumers like that? They're going to be able to have filtering. It, and it seems like the law that's in place, including a law passed by our Senator Hatch, back in 2005, does, does allow filtering in the home context in terms of a, a DVD or a content that is owned by um, an, an individual consumer. So that, that is allowed. I mean, I, what, what's tricky here is the technology has evolved such that, you know, I don't want to have any DVDs on my shelf anymore. I just want to click on something and watch it. And so the law hasn't really evolved to, to capture how the changing marketplace is, is um is changing, and VidAngel has tapped into that, and they're they're offering something that certainly there's a consumer demand for, but I think the law quite hasn't figured out how to how to address the VidAngel service. Mr. Quinto, what about the Family Movie Act? Uh, this uh, it seemed that the intent of the act seemed to be to allow families to um, uh, you know filter or at least uh, ha- have the content the way they want it. Yeah, I would. Um actually uh, take issue with the last statement. The Family Movie Act was introduced in Congress in 2004, and uh, as it was introduced in 2004, it provided for filtering that occurred in the home, um, for example, with a, a special DVD player that uh, could filter a, the content of a DVD uh, before it was displayed on a television. But that version of the bill did not pass, and Congress came to an end, and we had a brand-new Congress in 2005. When the Family Movie Act was reintroduced in 2005, it was amended. That amendment... Uh, provided for the provided that a third party uh, that a consumer rather could purchase a DVD, ask a third party to filter it, and then transmit the filtered content to the third party for private in-home viewing to the consumer for private in-home viewing. Um, so, VidAngel feels very strongly that the Family Movie Act. Uh, as enacted, does allow exactly what it is doing. Um, the prior version did not, but the version as enacted anticipated the possibility that there would be streaming. And we actually owe that uh, to Bill Ajo, uh who um, at the time was very involved working with uh, Congress and um, Senator Hatch and others to uh, try to get the law enacted. Bill Ajo recognized that uh, streaming would be the future and wanted to make sure that the Family Movie Act, as enacted, allowed for it. Um, so that's that's VidAngel's position, that the um, law is already there. Of course, Consumer preferences have changed dramatically since 2005. Uh, nobody wants to go to the store to buy a DVD. Nobody wants to wait by the mailbox for a DVD to arrive. You know, when uh, 
when consumers want to watch a movie today, they want to watch it now. Um, they also want the freedom to watch it on any kind of device they want, not necessarily the family television, um, but a laptop, a mobile phone, um, any kind of uh, device. And they don't necessarily want to watch it at home. They might want to watch it in a hotel uh, room while they're, while they're traveling or on vacation with the kids or um, in any number of contexts. And so the, the prior model of the uh, special DVD player that filtered a DVD is, uh, you know, that's going with a following the horse and buggy. Mm. So, Mr. Quinto, your 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 hope would be at the the end of this, uh, the, you know, the final maybe take it all the way to Supreme Court, maybe if if that's necessary. At the end here would be a a ruling and clarification of what the Family Movie Act means here, and I guess in, from your point of view, a, a, a ruling that would uh, would allow filtering at the home level. Exactly, and we're making that argument to the Ninth Circuit right now. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with David Quinto, who's general counsel. He's representing uh, VidAngel, which is a Provo-based company, a streaming service. Let's viewers uh, set custom filters, screen out content they might not like or find objectionable. By the way, uh, not just find objectionable, I guess in a way, but uh, may, might not like. There's a uh, there's a filter which allows you to screen out Jar Jar Binks from uh, from from Star Wars. That's uh, that Angel uh, uh, said they, they got that by request. So, it's, I mean, it's mostly about uh, uh, content that families find objectionable, but, but there are some other things you can, you can screen out at the home level. Um, and uh, critics say that this is nothing more than censorship. They say that it's, it's bodlerization. Um, Vid Angel says it's, uh, it's a good libertarian service. It allows you in your home to, uh, to consume uh, the parts of the, the, the uh, content that you would like and uh, filter out the parts that you don't like. We also have with us Chad Pearson, who is a uh, copyright lawyer. We'll be hearing from him as well as we uh, go along. And hopefully from you, what do you think? Seems to be uh, ground central here uh, in Utah for uh, these kinds of services, uh, probably because of the demand. Is this um, just a cutting up um, artistic vision the director has, uh, or is this a needed service? Um, we'd love to hear from you, 800-826-1495, or you can call us to 800-826-1495 and email us to upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. I'm Robin Young. Salt Lake City is surrounded by the majestic Wasatch Mountains, but you can't see them when the cold air inversions come and trap pollution. Now Utahns are stepping up the fight against smog. People are starting to worry a bit more about uh, how their machines, their cars, and other things impact the environment. That's next time, here and now. Join us this morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. I'm Ashley Stilson, reporter for Utah Public Radio. UPR is a community-based organization, and we want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear on the radio. If you have comments, questions, or story ideas for any of us at the station, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit our website at upr.org or call us at 1-800-826-1495. You can also share ideas with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just be sure to include the hashtag IamUPR. And hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. VidAngel is a Provo-based streaming service that lets viewers set custom filters to screen out content they might not like or find objectionable. VidAngel CEO Neil Harmon says that VidAngel honors two sides of a libertarian coin. He says, quoting him now, We agree with Hollywood that the director should have the right to determine how their work is performed in a public setting. That's free speech. That's everything America's about. But once you take something into your own home, it makes sense that nobody has the right to tell you how to consume something in your own home. Several Hollywood studios have sued VidAngel. A judge has granted a preliminary injunction against the company. In the meantime, there is a campaign out there 
And if, if you agree with the campaign, you can go there and uh, and add your name to this petition. It's uh, under the hashtag Save Filtering. We have with us Chad Pearson, who's a copyright lawyer, and uh, David Quint, who's general counsel. He's representing uh, VidAngel. We hope to hear from you at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, I, I recognize I have two lawyers with me. I'd, I'd like to pull out just a little bit here and, and uh, talk about principles um, one is art, artistic vision. Um, you know, some would say that this is uh, nothing but Baudelarization. Reverend Baudelaire uh, put out copies of Shakespeare, uh, removing the naughty bits. Um, th- this would be, I guess, the equivalent would be a, a friend who, who who would would do that for you, so you don't have to read the the, the naughty bits in, in Shakespeare. Now, having said that. Uh, you know, much of Hollywood movies uh, <laughs> can't be compared to Shakespeare. There are some that are on a high artistic level. Um, let me start with Mr. Quinto first. What, what do you say to, the, to that argument? You're ruining the artistic uh, first, vision of, of the, of the uh, director. Well, let me say first that I think that's uh, a mischaracterization um, to say that it's censorship, the bolder. Boulderization. I'm having trouble with that one. Sorry. Um, is um, a it, it really mischaracterizes the issue um, because in with censorship, a third party, uh, somebody else, decides what you get to see or hear. Uh, you don't have that choice. VidAngel doesn't do that. VidAngel does not make any decision concerning what a consumer sees or hears or doesn't see or hear in the privacy of the home. The consumer makes that choice. Each family decides for itself um, what it wishes to see or hear. Um, VidAngel goes through each movie and tags it for all types of content. The An individual... Uh, family can then decide that they don't want to hear the F-bomb or they don't want to see smoking, um, they don't want to see full frontal nudity, or they don't want to see bullying or violence or what have you. Um, And they can eliminate that from what they view. In concept, that's no different than if you read a book, (laughs) you could choose not to read parts that uh, don't appeal to you. Um, If you were to read Shakespeare, you could skip over uh, certain parts uh, if you didn't want to be exposed to it. Um, And if you were watching on television uh, years ago, you could just fast forward through parts that you didn't want want to see or hear. Um, It's the same concept. Um, but I would also take issue with the notion that it destroys artistic vision. Uh, movies. Yeah, go ahead. Yes? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let me... um, I'm delighted that for 27 years I did um, probably 80% of the legal work for the Academy Awards. Uh, I used to attend the Oscars every year. And I have a tremendous love for the movies, tremendous respect and admiration for the artists who create them. Um, and I, I view them as tremendous works of art. But that said, they are works of commercial art. When a movie is made, uh, a producer has to find funding for it. Uh, the amount of funding the producer is able to find will obviously affect the artistic choices that go into making the movie. Do we get this actor or not? Uh, do we shoot at that location or not? Um, then the producer will tell the director, hey, listen, uh, we wanted to you know, shoot it on scene and um, on site in Utah because the the scenery is so spectacularly beautiful, but hey, 
we got some tax credits to shoot in Montana, so we're going there instead. Um, another compromise. Um, people will look the script over to make sure it's sufficiently commercial. Uh, when the movie is completed, it will be shown to a test audience. And if the test audience doesn't like it, uh, the producer will tell the director, you've got to change the ending, you've got to add some more CGI, you've got to do this or do that to make it more commercial. So you have all along the line a series of compromises that are happening that change the director's vision. Hmm. Then, when the movie is released, um, as discussed a little while ago, there are heavily edited versions used on airlines uh, because, first, you don't know whether a, a, a viewer on an airline is six years old or 60 years old. So it, it's got to be something that's appropriate to be viewed for, you know, by either person. Um, they are also edited for television. Television slots tend to be two hours, two and a half, three hours, um, and they have to allow a certain amount of time for commercials. So right off the bat, you have to edit a movie to make it fit into a television time slot. The aspect ratio on television is different than the aspect ratio on a movie theater, so uh, when it's shown on television, part of every frame is cropped off. And, of course, uh, you need to make it um, appropriate for the time slot that it's shown in. Um, by that, I mean... Uh, in the late 1970s, there was a case before the Supreme Court called FCC versus Pacifica Foundation, uh, otherwise known as the 730 Words case. It um, concerned a George Carlin monologue <laughs> that commented on um, seven words that uh, society considers to be exceptionally filthy. Um, but he showed that you know they have they can be used in different contexts and and they have varying connotations and um, sort of suggested that um, we're being a little hypocritical in viewing these seven dirty words as dirty in any event um, the Supreme Court said yes the FCC was well within its rights to prohibit public radio stations from broadcasting FCC v. Pacifica found uh, from broadcasting the seven dirty words uh, while um, children might be listening and you know, the same the same argument applies here uh, that you know families should be allowed to decide what they and their children are exposed to in the privacy of the home let me turn to um, Chad Pearson. Uh, I want to let me let me pose this que same question to you in the, in this way, um, using the example uh, on a uh, VidAngel uh, produced um, video I saw on, on YouTube. They're they're countering arguments that they have seen against their service, and so to counter this argument that I just brought up um, about uh, altering art, uh, I think they talk about um, a painting on the Sistine Chapel. Um, you know Michelangelo, and uh, the fact that uh, say Adam in the in the painting is is nude, and so stipulating that uh, that that uh, agreeing for the moment that VidAngel's VidAngel's point is true, this is not censorship that would, they would never, you know, paint over the uh, the private parts of of Adam in this this painting, um, uh, and force uh, everyone to see that or to to uh, receive the content that way. Um, but but the equivalent would be if a family got a copy of that painting in their own home, and then you know covered over the private parts. Uh, but I wonder what you would say to to the the argument which would go that this is still doesn't make it right, right? This is great. This is great art, and uh, we shouldn't be altering it even in the privacy of our own homes. You know, I think that brings up some some fun philosophical points about 
art and, and um, the rights of a creator. And I think we have some legal principles that relate to that. I thought David's discussion of, of some examples where a creator's rights are, are subject to an eventual owner's rights were, were good examples. I mean, if, if I do purchase a book, um, I do have a right to not read the first chapter or the last chapter or to skip whatever pages I want to. Um, but we also understand historically that I haven't had the right to make changes to the book and then and then broadcast it in some way or sell it to my neighbors or do things like that because that sort of changes the work in a way that that has an effect upon on uh, the reputation of the work or or otherwise in, infringes upon what we we feel like ought to be the creator's rights. So a creator is the one currently who gets to decide, okay, what edits are we going to implement for the airplane? And um, how are we going to change the aspect ratios? And where are we going to shoot? And, and those are all decisions made by the creator. So if we're shifting that to uh, consumer decisions, I think it's a bit different framework that we have to look at it through. Let's take another break, and then I want to come back and, and uh, talk about uh, financial support to art that we disagree with. Um, and that's the one argument that's going around um, that, uh, you know, VidAngel essentially, even though they're allowing you to filter out the content you don't like, if you consume the service, you are, you know, second, third hand anyway, supporting financially uh, the, the, the artistic vision that, that you object to in the first place. I want to talk about that and anything else our guests would like to, uh, to uh, finalize on this as we move to our last segment on this following this break. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Letter Kenny follows the lives of three guys living in a small town. Jared Kiso created the show. He's also in it. Find out how much of the show mirrors his own life, and you're not going to want to miss our slang off. That's coming up on Q from PRI. That's Public Radio International. Join us this afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. Union City is a small town in rural Pennsylvania that has changed a lot in recent years. There's just so many things in this town that are now gone. I'm Molly Wood, here from voters counting on the president-elect's campaign promises. Next time on Marketplace from 8 p.m. Join us tonight at 6.30 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking about VidAngel's Provo-based streaming service. Let viewers uh, lets viewers set custom filters to screen out content they might not like or find objectionable. Um, and a lot of people have really enjoyed the service and say they really depend on it. They do want to watch a lot of what Hollywood puts out, but they don't want to watch some of the content in some of those movies. And uh, VidAngel says that uh, people in the, their own homes have the right to use this service uh, to filter out the content they don't want. There is a petition going around. It's called, uh, the hashtag is Save Filtering. VidAngel crowdsourced more than $10 million so recently to help pay for their lawsuit. They have been sued by several Hollywood studios, and a judge has granted a preliminary injunction against the company. And uh, their lawyer, David Quinto, says he uh, is appealing. And uh, his hope is that uh, in the end, uh, a ruling will come down, final ruling, that uh, will settle this once and for all and say that uh, consumers in their homes have the right to filter. Uh, David Quinto is general counsel. He represents VidAngel. We have with us Chad Pearson, who's a copyright lawyer as well. We want to know what you think. Do you think this is censorship? Do you think this is boulderization? Uh, or do you think this is a valuable service? Upraccess at gmail.com is the uh, place to go to email us, upraccess at gmail.com. And uh, you can call us at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. Let me direct this question first to Chad Pearson. Um, one argument, I'll credit Sean Means, uh, Salt Lake Tribune uh, movie uh, critic. Um, I was talking to him about the, these principles one time. And um, he said, why would you want to support the artistic vision of, of, of a director, say, uh, whose movie you find uh, parts of objectionable? You know, why, why would you, you know, if you consider that to be a dirty mind, say, why would you want to support that? And, and, and why would you want to support uh, financially 
a studio that's putting out that uh, kind of content. Uh, wouldn't it be better to, to boycott these kinds of movies and encourage with your dollar uh, Hollywood putting out uh, quote-unquote cleaner movies? sounds like from a philosophical perspective, I mean, individual consumers could definitely take on that attitude and say, you know, we want to promote a certain type of content that has certain values that reflect our values. I think where it's gotten tricky in, in modern society is few people are willing to do that given the quality of the content that Hollywood studios put out and, and, and an acknowledgement that, hey, I like portions of that content, let's just cut out the stuff I don't like, but then access that great content that's clearly better than other alternatives that are available. Uh, David Quinto, what uh, what do you think? Uh, what would you say to that that argument that essentially uh, VidAngel is you know somewhere along the line somebody had to pay for that uh, that uh, DVD or that uh, that uh, video that they then uh, put filters on in in the streaming service and therefore you know dollars are going to support uh, some content that people find objectionable. Well, I would echo everything Chad just said. I, I think that's a uh, a very good point. Um, and I would add that if you consider what it is that makes us all uniquely American, um, popular entertainment has a lot to do with it. You, you can't say that it's democracy or freedom because those are not unique to this country. There are there are a number of countries that happily enjoy the same or similar rights and privileges. But you know, we come, we as Americans, come from every country of the world. Uh, we are every color of the spectrum when it comes to our skin. Uh, we practice every religion and no religion. Um, we have uh, tremendously varying uh, cultural backgrounds. And yet we are all united as Americans. Um, and we feel uh, that we are different than people in other countries. And when I'm abroad and I meet other Americans, I feel instantly that I have a commonality with them. And it's not simply that our passports look alike. Um, we have a shared culture, um, a shared um, understanding of things that are important uh, in this country. And a significant part of that, I think, is, is the you know, popular entertainment. Um, that's a common reference point that helps bind us together as as uniquely Americans, in my view. Um, and I also uh, agree very strongly um, that there is a lot of content in movies that's very worth watching. Um, you know, I, it would be a shame to uh, decide not to watch Schindler's List for example, uh, because there are some scenes in there um, that are, frankly, horrifying. Um, that that would be a tragedy, and I think that would be a far worse um, disservice um, not to watch it than than to watch only part of it. I was just going to um, I was just going to bring up Schindler's List. I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us would feel that's just wrong, even to allow filtering of, uh, you know, tone down the Holocaust. Uh, you know, that would <laughs> eviscerate what the movie's all about, right? The, the impact of it. I guess others would say, well, if, if, that's, if that's your cup of tea in your home, you ought to have the right to filter that out, even in that movie, where, where that would, would just uh, change it and, and alter it in a way that a lot of people would feel would, would be wrong. I 
I know people who use VidAngel service uh, very selectively um, who you know, might ordinarily uh, edit out the N-word or an F-bomb, but when, when they view something like that as essential to the story, uh, they leave it in, um, and, and they think that their children should see that. Uh, because it really is essential, uh, but that's that's an individual decision, and um, VidAngel is not making that choice for anyone. And I should point out that when VidAngel streams filtered content, it does so only to a single family uh, who have chosen to watch that content filtered uh, to their specifications. They don't um, apply a filter and then uh, offer the content to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's you know, always a unique um, situation with respect to a single family, and that family is allowed to decide uh, whether um, the benefit of watching leaving potentially offensive content in uh, outweighs the harm they see in it. Let me uh, pose this question first to Chad Pearson. Um, and it, it, this question gets to the definition of art. I think some things we could, many could agree on that, uh, you know, we probably shouldn't be altering it, even if we can. Um, let me let me read this this quote from L.A. Confidential Director Curtis Hansen. This is from an interview in 2002, uh, talking about I don't know specifically. Of course, VidAgent wasn't in, in existence then, but talking about altering movies, he says to alter these and then put them out with our name still on the product is not only fraud but it's artistic rape. And so my first reaction is, well, get over yourself. That's uh, you know it's a little strong. Um, but and my second reaction is a lot of what Hollywood puts out. Can you can you really call it art? But on the other hand, uh, you know there are some great works of art that that come out uh, from from Hollywood, and uh, you you know you would most would agree that those are works of art. So that's yeah, kind I mean, of a you know, part of what I have to wrap my hand head around is the definition of art and how it applies here. Yeah, I mean the the quote you mentioned used a hard word and. That's not a word that I would apply outside of the context of its its actual literal meaning, um, but but it is, it is a hard issue. I think uh, VidAngel. I, I as I was preparing to come on the program, I went to their website and watched some very well done videos that sort of describe some of the legal issues and some of the cultural issues. And one example that that video used was it just poked fun at the Transformers movies and said that they would edit them by, you know, deleting all of them or, 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 and I thought that comment was interesting in light of your question in the sense that some of what comes out of Hollywood is so commercialized that it, that it feels like whatever a meaning is in terms of a singular work that a creator might have has been, has been, you know, ruined anyway or didn't exist in the first place. And I think that's what David's comments were getting at earlier. But then the, you have the, uh, opposite example of Schindler's List, which is a video I think most of our country has seen and was moved by, helped inform our historical perspective, and it's something I want to show my kids to help them become, you know, have a liberal education and understand life and history. Um, so there probably is a spectrum of sort of how highly we value a particular work, and that influences the way we're uh, w- willing to allow people to edit it. Uh, Mr. Quinto, we just have about three minutes left. Uh, I wonder, uh, of course, you're going to appeal this. Your ultimate hope, I'm sure, is, well, as you said, is that the, you get a ruling uh, saying that filtering in the home is uh, is okay. Um, if if that doesn't happen, I'm wondering where a home, uh, you know, viewer, where they could have control, uh, you know, clear cut. No question. Hollywood would agree with it. Um, you know, if you, I mean, a, a person in their home could have taken a videotape in the old days, right, and, and sliced that up on their own. I think that that would, you know, that was okay, right? 
Well, interestingly, the studios opposed videotapes. Um, <laughs> that was um, the famous uh, Sony Betamax case. Uh, <laughs> the studios did not want to um, allow their movies to be recorded for viewing later. Um, and the studios have a remarkable history of opposing uh, every kind of technological innovation, um, even ones that ultimately prove to benefit them mm-hmm. enormously. Well, even even uh, uh, even a person yeah. I, I I can't remember the, you know, the the clean cuts case, but that was somebody helping you do it. Right? But what if a consumer just did it on their own? I guess Hollywood would uh, they would oppose that as well. Well, the um, the one way that they have not found to attack uh, is the uh, DVD player in the home that is programmed to filter content um, that it that it transmits to the family television. Um, so they haven't found a way to attack that, but every other way they've managed to attack. Hmm. Uh, so what, to, what uh, just briefly, just have about a minute left, what, what's the next step then you're, you're going to appeal? Well, um, while the appeal is ongoing, we are um, hoping to uh, persuade people to contact their representatives in Congress to uh, ask the to ask Congress to support an amendment to the Copyright Act to clarify that the Family Movie Act means what it says, that the that a service that operates as described in the Family Movie Act does not violate any provision of the Copyright Act. Uh, it says that with respect to the Trademark Act, and we'd like we'd like to get it amended to say that if you operate as provided in Section 110, Subsection 11, which is the Family Movie Act, you do not violate any portion of the Copyright Act. Hmm. Okay. Um, so if, um, if your listeners wanted to uh, contact their congressmen and their senators with that message, we would be delighted. And there's a petition drive going out there, uh, the hashtag Save Filtering. Uh, which you can participate in if, if you're on that side as well. I just wanted to close with this uh, uh, comment from uh, Carl in uh, in Utah. Carl has emailed us. He said, I don't like violence, so I won't watch action movies. He asks, uh, I think uh, rhetorically, can VidAngel filter out all of the violence in action movies? And he says, but seriously. So, But I, I think VidAngel probably could. It would probably be a much shorter uh, movie in, in some cases. Uh, he says, but seriously, I won't watch movies or TV if I don't like the content or the genre. At some point in life, you have to decide that you can't have everything. So find something that aligns with your ideas and uh, lifestyle. Thanks for that, uh, Carl. Keep those comments coming, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we thank very much uh, our guests. We've had David Quinto's general counsel, who's, who is representing uh, VidAngel. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. And uh, Chad Pearson, who's a copyright lawyer, thank you so much. My pleasure. And thanks for listening. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, some women uh, on with us who are going to be participating in the women's marches happening on Saturday and Monday in Washington, D.C. and in uh, Salt Lake City, respectively. And uh, we'll talk about uh, inauguration-related uh, marches and uh, everything that's going on. Hope you join us tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.